Hi, welcome to Interviews Podcast. I am passionate about business. I used to run businesses for others before launching my own. And I have always asked myself one key question. What is the secret recipe to properly structure and successfully run a business? So I am on a quest to find out through insightful conversations with entrepreneurs all around the world. Follow me on my journey to crack the entrepreneurship code. Interviews is sponsored by Bertoli Digital, a Wix website agency built for startups, individuals and SMEs. Bertoli Digital is also Finland's first certified Wix expert and Wix partner agency. 1% of all the agency's project revenue go to Global Footprint Network to help change how the world manages its natural resources and respond to climate change. If you want to know more, www.bertolidigital.com or contact at bertolidigital.com. This is Interviews. Today I am with uh, Julien Brun, managing partner CL based in Vietnam and Singapore. Hello Julien, thank you very much for joining me today. Hi Laurent, a pleasure to be here. To be here. I'm very happy to be here. Excellent. So uh, tell us a little bit about yourself and uh, your journey. Uh, well, this, this is a long journey. I have a, a bit of shame to say that now, but uh, 42. <laughs> I've uh, been starting my career in, um, in aeronautics and automotive industries, so quite established industries in Europe, uh, large corporations, big, big companies, uh, huge open space, um, uh, and got bored about, uh, of, of this environment. So good mm-hmm. career starter mm-hmm. for, for technical aspects, but not very engaging, not very exciting. So I've, I've dropped... Uh, everything after a couple of a bit more, uh, three years, and I went to Africa on uh, doing NGO work, uh, engaged with uh, with the emergency type of um, NGO, where I mostly contributed in the distribution of uh, um, donations, food donations for refugee camps in West Africa. So mm-hmm. half a million people uh, to feed uh, from donation that arrives at the port to, uh, to actual... Uh, uh, refugees. So quite a, a different uh, uh, environment, different challenges, quite quite intense, as you would guess. Um, and I kind of wanted to find a bridge between those two extreme experiences. Uh, and I found, uh, you know, Southeast Asia at the time, it was 2007, uh, 2005, was uh, a quite an exciting place to to at least travel and, and visit. Uh, because there was a little bit of this um, you know, chaotic uh, type of environment where you have to improvise, you have to be good, you have to make things happen. And at the same time, a potential for you know, industrial development, economic development that would uh, call for more uh, advanced uh, methods and, and practices and tools and technologies. Mm-hmm. So it was, I, you know, I took a, a plane ticket with my girlfriend at the time and we went here, we, we went here in, in Vietnam actually relocated uh, for a couple of years and here I am 15 years uh, after that uh, and I'm still here and I've been uh, I've become I became a, an entrepreneur in Vietnam and I've extended the, the, the Vietnamese experience even though my my uh, my base is still Vietnam 
to a broader scope, ASEAN first, and then now we professionally, I'm, I'm traveling all over the world to, uh, to deliver my clients. So I've created CL in 2005. Today it's a rather small uh, business, but very, uh, very specific into what it does and pretty good, uh, at least uh, on, the, on the fact that we, we, are, we are asked by, by clients from Chile to Nigeria to uh, Indonesia to uh, help them on their supply chain. Mm. So it, it's a good point. So it's, it's, it's a kind of a, I, I never planned to be an entrepreneur. I came, I came here a bit by luck. And, uh, and here we are. That's the journey. You worked in a, in a corporate world and then you went to Africa. How, what happened? How did you decide you would become an entrepreneur? Was it luck too? Yeah, it was luck, pure luck. Uh, it was. Uh, I arrived here in Vietnam. I've, you know, I've got a background in aeronautics, and to be frank, in aeronautics, aeronautics in Vietnam at the time and even still now, is not really. Um, there's not much there. Uh, so I found the only unique company that was working in this sector, and they hired me for um, to handle their their product production mostly. So I've been for some time production manager, industrial director, kind of technical work. Uh, and they had to fire me because um, they were cutting costs. And obviously I came at the wrong time. So after a month or two, uh, they had to let me go, uh, unfortunately. Uh, and the, the actual director of this, this company at the time uh, was sorry about it because it was not his decision, it was the headquarters in France. And he told me, you know, we, with what we've done in this uh, business, we could also replicate that outside and help a, a bunch of companies to improve their processes. Mm -hmm. And he took me in the journey of, you know, micro consulting projects where he was uh, coaching me, he was obviously uh, speaking Vietnamese, so it helped a lot and kind of uh, let me go along with, uh, with more advanced consulting. And then I it kind of pushed me and uh, I came to be a, uh, an entrepreneur, uh, you know, a bit by luck, and I loved it from day one, so I, I could not stop. So you saw something in yourself that you did not necessarily see yourself. Yeah, it was, uh, I guess it was a bit of personality aspect, but it was also, a, you know, a technical um, capability, you know, 20 or 5 uh, industrial, you know, the factories themselves were, were really, really basic. So with a bit of a background in, in industrial systems and in production floor in Europe, mm. you came out very quickly to find, uh, to find quick wins, to, uh, improvement uh, opportunities here and there that would actually demonstrate results. So it was practical, practical outcome and pretty exciting type of project because every, every project were different. I discovered Vietnam through factories from all over the, the country. So it helped me also to discover Vietnam to some extent. Right. So what does CEL do? CEL is uh, initially a consulting firm. So we've started with consulting, as I explained. Um, we've actually specialized, uh, we were covering any kind of industrial problem from uh, productivity to quality to cost to many, many aspects at the beginning, to a more opportunistic type of uh, consulting, still in the operational world. Uh, and we ended up to find a path within this world into supply chain. Supply chain is a big term, I'll explain a bit more. But it, take, it came to be trying to put the pieces together. Uh, you have a production unit, it could work perfectly. But if the inputs and the outputs are 
uh, all over, and then your supply chain doesn't work, no matter how good your factory is. Mm. So I kind of was quite attracted by this bigger picture and trying to make the, the holistic, uh, trying to make a holistic uh, improvement instead of an incremental local type of uh, mini patch type. I had the feeling after a time that it was a bit of a patch here and there. So I, we, over time, we extended to supply chain, and today, we are mostly advising companies in, in, their, in the way they distribute products, uh, in the way they, they serve their, their different markets in different countries. So it's a lot of logistics, it's a lot of inventory, it's a lot of capacity. And we give them, and in, in, if I want to wrap up uh, into one term, what we do is route to market. We advise companies in, uh, in their route to market strategies. And we use quite advanced technology in there, so a lot of data, so it's quite solid piece of work usually. And, um, and that's the core, if you want. Right. Uh, now, after that, we do also training in, in supply chain. And we've trained thousands of people in, in Vietnam over years, and we've got very good catalog of, of training into operations world. And the final part, and is the newest, and probably also the most exciting, is the technology, the software part where we have now a team of data scientists and, and software developers that mm. de design new tools, new advanced algorithms, new ways to, to uh, analyze data. Uh, it's a bit of a R&D type of uh, product, uh, spin-off type of uh, corner of the company. The core knowledge is in consulting, but the innovation comes in, uh, being into the, um, uh, the software part. Right. So the company was created in 2005, you said, a bit by, a bit by luck, as you, as you mentioned. Yep. But now we are 15 years after. You know, it's 2020, you're still in Vietnam, you're still there, the company still exists, you've developed with new products, you expanded uh, internationally. How can you explain the success? Um, it's a good question, of course. Uh, Coming from you, I'm not surprised, but it's it's a tough <laughs> question. Uh, I would say uh, it's a bit of a mix of opportunistic behavior and um, kind of finding a focus point at some at some point. Otherwise, I, I'll get bored of trying to jump over opportunities. But opportunities was all over the place in Vietnam at the time, and it still is. It's still a great place to to find things to do, you know, things to do better or find. A, a market opportunity for a given product. It's, it's full of potential. Mm -hmm. But uh, uh, it's also uh, quite, after a while you've done plenty of different things, uh, you can get lost in there and you can also get bored of going over the same type of, of things, uh, but without necessarily a way to build anything. So it's, mm -hmm. it's, it's kind of, it kind of gets boring if you, if you don't build something. And uh, the point was to try also to find a, a pathway into building something while uh, grasping opportunities. So knocking at the doors at companies and say, and they, they would say, well, can you do that? They say, well, we could, but we've never done it. So uh, here we go, we can commit on, on results and, and go for it. You have to be aware that we haven't done it. And often being honest in this kind of a situation would, would give you uh, open doors to, to trying things. Uh, and that's how, through opportunities that you try, you innovate, you. Uh, you find ways to, to solve problems, but it's a little bit of with a, a, a further reflection on the side that helps you to say, yeah, do, you, do I want to do that for long? Or is it potential from a, a demand or market standpoint? Uh, can I build over that and so on? And finding, 
from all those opportunities the thing that you like and that uh, would sell actually mm -hmm. and you mentioned the focus can you tell us the focus came yeah, came that. along with the with the time and to be frank it, yeah it took me uh not 15 years because now it's it's quite clear but over the first uh, five years in again i mean consulting so it's it's a bit of a different world it requires flexibility but over five years uh, even though i've worked for hundreds of different companies i found i found myself in a loophole so i i needed this shift and i'm i'm a bit of a geek on the side and um, i've always played with computers and softwares and stuff mm. uh, so I, i wanted to find this personal Uh, interest into technology into the, into the work uh, I was doing and I found this kind of connection quite early even though it, it didn't go um, very uh, practical but over time I, I kind of joined this to these two passion the supply chain environment and the technology and, and tried to innovate there and realized that it was not there were not many people uh, innovating in this space so right. yeah that's the right way So how do you how do you innovate then in a supply chain? Yeah, the, the problem of supply chain and, and the, the joy of supply chain, it's it's <laughs> if you want to describe supply chain, it's it's a it's a bunch of problems. Uh, <laughs> okay. you ask any any person working supply chain, you know, what, what you do on a daily basis, I solve problems. Very little space to think, to reflect, to take perspective, to analyze, to you know, to to take distance. Um, and um, and and that's the problem. It, it's you can solve thousands of problems, and you see a lot of startups going into uh, optimizing the last mile cost of uh, the, the motorbike delivering into a, a given city. You find things that uh, load your container in an optimal way. All these are, are amazing incremental improvement here and there. Um, and obviously, if you expand the view into broader uh, scope, it becomes a bit more complex. I'm an engineer, I love complexity, so I say, let's go for it. And here, if you mix a little bit of uh, curiosity and trying really to find out how things work in reality, plus trying to build a little bit of a systemic uh, view on the problems, so decomposing problems into really a, a set of sub-problems, really being structured in the way you, you approach things, mm. you'll find thousands of, of very, very impactful uh, opportunities. Some would be easy to capture, some would be much more compli complicated. And we've probably chosen the, the most complicated one, one that, that will take us years to, to get where we want, but we have a clear vision. And that's quite an exciting vision because ultimately it can change uh, not the world, but uh, a lot of uh, how supply chains work uh, in this world, which has, uh, as we saw recently, a significant impact. So turning complexity into simplicity is that what you're trying to do exactly exactly and being able to explain it which is not <laughs> okay <laughs> definitely but yeah it, it came out also to i i there's one word that i, I keep uh, repeating also to my my team and, and it's a very important word to me and that helped me uh, through uh through years is demystifying uh, things mm. Um, demystifying this, this, you know, the, when, when you're young, you see a CEO as a, as a god and, and someone you never approach, someone you, that is exceptionally intelligent and, and so on. And over time, you, you, you 
approach some of them, you kind of uh, reflect on, on how they, they think and how they handle their businesses. And you realize that, yeah, it's, it's good. It's, it's not perfect. There are, there are ways to do. And you start to, to, to demystify these kind of uh, characters. You have to do the same for complexity. You, everything is crackable. You just, um, the, the key tool is mostly um, uh, common sense. And there's a, there's a thing in, a, I like this, this uh, Canadian term, uh, sorry, it's a French uh, version of it, but le bon gros sens, uh, it's like the big fat common, common sense can be used very powerfully into, uh, into amazingly complex problems. So demystifying things helps, it, it also helps to dem demystifying uh, people, I believe. Right. I like, I like it. Everything is crackable. I like the slogan of my podcast is to, is to crack the entrepreneurship code. So what you're saying yeah. is that if, I have a, if we have common sense, we can crack it. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> well, it's amazing. Uh, you just need a little bit of, uh, of reasoning uh, power, uh, but that you can learn that. That's, that's learnable. Obviously, at CL, we, we have more technical people, engineers and things, and people that are trained to think uh, systemically. Yes. But, uh, you know, an engineer can understand very well how finance work because that's finance is bloody simple overall. There's just a bunch of uh, layer of bullshit or, or term or, or complicated things that, that makes it uh, inaccessible. But everything, including finance, and when you crack the code of finance, then you crack quite a lot of the, of the way uh, people perceive and, and react and, and, and decide overall. So, you know, going where, where you, you're not expected can, can lead to amazing piece of, uh, of innovation, I think. Mm. That's very interesting because now I think about people in Asia. So you were in Asia in 2005 in a country that where, you know, what you were doing was kind of uh, pioneering. And how did, you, how did you deal with people? Because they were not maybe, I guess, that their level of education was, was not necessarily there, right? Or they were, they were used to do things in a more simplified way or be maybe too afraid of the complexity of things. Yeah, of course, uh, when you're a young, fresh uh, French guy arriving in Vietnam and lost in the middle of a factory, in the middle of nowhere, uh, with workers that uh, that you can't, you can't speak. I didn't speak Vietnamese at the time. They didn't speak English, and I had to to help them improve their own process. So changing the way they are doing, and that was uh, definitely a challenge. Uh, changing habits is is a complicated thing. So it all came to be about um, uh, being uh, trying to understand, listening, and obviously we could not talk. So a lot of gesture, but this patience of and this curiosity of really trying to listen uh, on their actual uh, issue and understand at least um, uh, help to connect to create this connection even though it was uh, it was um, it was about work it mm. came out to be quite as and in vietnam and asia in general you, you link you create links very strongly quickly uh, with with some small um, attention and being able to open open your Years to, to anything, and that, that really created this uh, trust. So introducing new uh, things, uh, being patient in, in the way people uh, absorb this kind of uh, 
of new information was was and demonstrating yeah, also actually on the field with, with workers moving tables uh, painting on the floor uh, improving uh, a new shelf for 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 the floor to be better plenty of uh, small hacks that on one side they would they would probably have to let go some of, of their comfort zone mm. but at the same time they'll have some benefits by being more comfortable by being more um more considered uh, so it was kind of a give and, and, and take uh, but in a natural way and in vietnam it, it worked very well even though language was a barrier right so if i was to ask your employees local and uh, expatriate to describe your leadership style what would they say well i i, I am Actually, I think demanding would be would be a word that would actually mention somewhere. Um, I can be really a pain in the ass. I'm, I'm a detailed person, so and everything that relates to client percep perception, I really, really uh, kind of break the balls of everyone. Um, but it's it's kind of also uh, the culture. I wanted to say this culture being demanding, really uh, top notch. Mm. Uh, at the same time, I'm, I'm quite um, I'm, I'm quite loose in the sense that I, I, I give a, a relative autonomy uh, for people to actually decide how they handle their um, their projects, their tasks, their uh, their tools, and, and I'm, I'm trying at least more and more to give directions and not instructions. Mm. Um, I have to check with them if it if it really works, but uh, I, at least if they perceive it. But that's really the the, the, the and and obviously the, the I, I want uh, everyone to be able to um, use reasoning uh, very well, and that's mm. the way you convince. Uh, usually, if you're strong with your your argumentation, with the way you put things together, with the way you prove a point. Um, then you're you're really uh, much of a stronger professional and, and probably more than that. I want to go back to uh, something that we, you talked about earlier on is technology. I have the impression that many entrepreneurs, business leaders get confused between using technology as the end goal. You know, this is what they need to build mm -hmm. rather than using it as an accelerator of growth. Do you agree with me? Yes, even I would even push it further is that if you expect uh, technology to grow your company, you, you, you're getting it wrong because it's not going to grow your company by itself. It's going to help to grow, but it's not going to grow. Uh, just right. it's not a seed that you plan and it, it does the job. Uh, so yes, I, I really see uh, technology as a as a mean to an end, and and that's often the confusion. Even in, in business leaders and in, in uh, companies that I work I work with, there's a lot of confusion, a lot of ex over expectation. Technology say I want a bigger market share. Uh, find me a tool that will do, do the job. Yeah, sorry, but uh, you that's not, and that's often this this. Um, confusion of first setting an objective, then putting a, a strategy together, mm. and strategy can be composed of a certain part of technology, but it's not, it's not everything. Uh, and, and that's where uh, uh, we have to, to follow technology trend, of course. 
uh, and we have to make the right choice because it can cost a shitload of money at the end. Mm -hmm. But ultimately, I have sometimes hard time to to uh, convince people that it, yeah, you want to uh, improve uh, your your um, your your profitability. You want to reduce your cost. Uh, okay, uh, but if you reduce your cost on the wrong customer, uh, then you may lose your customer. So do you what, what's the balance? profitability or uh, growth and and there you need to uh, clear trade-off if growth is the focus then don't do that if profitability is the focus then okay let's cut let's use some technology to optimize as much as we can but you know the risk of, of potentially affecting your, your your customers so it's really tricky to uh, to explain uh, and it's it's getting better now there's a bit of a hype that has passed this blockchain shit and I think we we kind of at the bottom of the hype, and and now it's going to be yeah, whatever AI or machine learning or whatever you use, show me the business result, and that is a healthy type of a, of a reaction. I love technology; I use it for my marketing. I have to, to, to be frank, but we are we are actually uh, you know testing uh, machine learning application and forecasting. We are testing simulation and planning. We are testing things. And that's most of what is technology today. A lot of small startups trying things out here and there, but nothing very um, proven or very solid uh, that, that would actually make it a, a real trend. Okay, so technology needs to be combined with other things like people, for example. Yep. What you're saying is that basically technology by itself won't help your business to grow. Of course, if you if you want to de develop your e-commerce uh, e-commerce uh, channel, you, you're delivering to different channels, and you want to push your e-commerce sales. At some point, you need technologies. There's no question of it. But the, the innovation part of, of technology, again, with these these hypey uh, world words uh, like like mm. uh, AI and so on, there are very very little uh, true application of those in the industry, at least. It's a lot of those applications led by the, the, the advertising uh, and, and you know, consumer side of it. But on the background, in the, in the industry side of, of things, it's really, really old fashioned. So every small piece of uh, technological improvement, you connect an ERP to a system and then you get a bit of better visibility on your sales. That is our, where we are in, into uh, innovation. It's really incremental step and nothing very revolutionary for now. Uh, at the end of the day, yeah, technology will, not, uh, will help you to achieve something. So if you don't know what, to, what you want to achieve, it's not going to help you. Right, right. So first, think about strategy. Mm -hmm. and then use the appropriate tools, including technology and and people or whatever whatever else to deliver on that strategy technology support strategy as much it is as uh, as much as people as much as other things but now what, what technology creates is a little bit of a, a shape because obviously there are there are a bunch of, of jobs that can be lost over time uh, but we still see factories with workers with old-fashioned swing tables with a very basic uh, working environment. And it's still the reality. This is still the, the, the chair you are set on. This is still the t-shirt I'm wearing. It is still most of the things that are done are 
very uh, basic in, 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 the, in the technology side. Mm. So plenty of innovation, Be either big leap. So I mean, we replace all these workers by robots and that is massive leap that's not gonna happen anytime soon because uh, robots work, when it works, it, it works well. When it breaks down, you, you don't get anything out of the robot. And that is a bit of a problem, you know, real, real, um, resilience. People are much more resilient than technology is. So if you are in an uncertain environment, you need this flexibility of adapting. Oh, we can't do that. Uh, let me call this guy and we're going to fix it. Technology is broken. You need the guys that will fix the technology that would then reoperate your business. This is really the, what, what limits the innovation in, in the industry side is the risk of uh, this technology not working. What are you the most proud of? Uh, about my resilience, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, no, yeah, I have to admit, I've, I've, I've almost uh, given, given up a thousand times uh, to the point of never give up. Uh, I, I don't agree with this statement of never give up. Because I've, on the way, I've given up a lot of things. But, you know, uh, taking this, uh, accepting very early that is going to be a lot of waves, a lot of, uh, don't expect a, a very neat and, and stable pathway. You know, we, we grow our, our projection, our sales projection, business projection, as, as nice uh, flat curves that goes up and very nice kind of charts. The, the, the actual life of an entrepreneur is to bounce from, from bottom to top and, and go, and it's very, very intense uh, physically, morally, and so on. And you very, very quickly start to build a resilience and, and ask yourself a question in your own, do I want to sacrifice all, all that for this? Uh, and you it's healthy to ask yourself this question over because obviously at some point you need to drop a certain number of uh, of things and, and I've, I've dropped uh, other businesses, I've dropped part of what is here today, I've made choices that, that were structuring at the time. So I've given up a lot of things, but ultimately is keeping the pathway where you, and that's this balance of where the market is and where your personal interest is. Uh, the question of, am I ready to spend more effort, more years, more brain power in this direction? If I love what I'm doing, I'll, I'll do it easily, but it has to be a market associated to that. Otherwise you'll get, uh, you'll get nowhere. So this is a good transition to my next question then. If you look back at all these 15 years experience building CEO, what would you have done differently? You know, I've, I've made tons of uh, mistakes like everyone, but uh, I've hired a lot of the wrong people and I knew it before, you know, you, you always, reflect after and say, yeah, I kind of knew it. Uh, over time, you do less of these mistakes. But when you're in a rush, you, you really bring the, the wrong people in the team and, and you pay it quite harshly behind. So um, I would probably trust more my, my personal first impression, gut feeling uh, on hiring people. I've made great decisions and, and my team today is amazing. I'm really, really in love with my team. But over time, it, it took me a lot of energy to uh, higher and compensate for the for the wrong people. So one one side would be that. Uh, the other would be also probably to um, I would have said probably reach out to um, to Singapore <laughs> more early because right? honestly, mm -hmm. from you know Vietnam has been a great place to to deliver project to sell project, but it's still 
um, what what took us to a, to a next level is when we started to approach businesses on a regional scale. And right. Singapore for Singapore market, it's, it's really nothing. But Singapore for a decision hub for ASEAN and you know, also for Asia, it's a massive place to convince people that we do great job and we, we can innovate and we can help there. And once once I started to reach out to uh, to particularly Singapore, it, it changed the game uh, definitely. So yeah, I don't have any regret, but I'm saying maybe I could have done it uh, earlier. Right. So let's talk about this uh, regional and actually international expansion because now uh, you, you told us that you even have clients in Latin America. Mm -hmm. What is the keys there? How do you, how do you go out from you know, the base? The, the, the strategy we took is demonstrate locally whatever small project you can start with anywhere, do it, but do it amazingly well. And build the internal marketing so your direct client can uh, push it out, push it through the organization. And if you kind of follow up with this, it ends up to be in the hands of a bigger boss, and then a bigger boss, and then you 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 come at the in uh, to in the in a big account from the small door, but only demonstrating that you bring you're bringing value over projects and over projects. Uh, so that's been the strategy. Start small, sell, sell small, but make an amazing impression from day one and you get a big chance to be uh, sent away. So in, in our case, we've been a, a couple of our clients that we started uh, uh, in Malaysia or in Thailand or in Vietnam uh, ended up sending us to, uh, to all over the world. Uh, Brazil, uh, and then another client would send us in Nigeria and then another would, and we, we kind of, I found out a way to to explore the world uh, while helping uh, local companies, but also more more broader cooperation from a global scale. So very exciting, and, and well, it's been a strategy. I'm not saying it's the only one. Uh, it's but quite it's demanding. For you. you you have to invest in your first project. It's obviously not making much money if you really want to to make a, an amazing uh, outcome uh, more than what you've been asked uh, initially. And then you, you have to obviously maintain this quality, but you can scale up, charge a little bit more, uh, offer, offer bigger packages, and, and here you go. One last question. If you had to give one recommendation out there to entrepreneurs or aspiring entrepreneurs, what would it be? I've heard a couple of times, and I mentioned that before, this, this uh, never give up thing. It's a great. Uh, that on the earth, that's true. It's good to keep faith, uh, but that doesn't really help. It, it's really, I think, misleading. So I'd say uh, try and choose over time. You know, you try stuff, you're not sure, you're going in the right direction, and then you end up asking yourself, is it the way, uh, is it the direction I want? You never know in advance exactly where you're ending up. So it's better to let go and not be sure of everything. Give it a try find within this experience what you really enjoy and then choose uh, the way further. And that's incremental type of way of finding your, your personal path, I think is, uh, is more practical in a sense. And, and it also includes the, the, the concept of dropping or giving up things on the way. Mm. Uh, so you should give up, but the, should give up the wrong things and focus on the right. That's the idea of try and choose. Maybe. Right. So, so give up the wrong things, but don't give up on the right things. 
Yeah, I don't know. That, 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 turn it this way. It, it sounds stupid, but let's say try, try whatever you you have the opportunity to try, and then choose. Right. Choice comes after. You you can't really know in advance whether you love it, whether you'll be good at it, whether uh, you actually can do it. You have an opportunity. Give it a try, and then figure it out if it if it's the thing you want to do after that. Okay, then how can people contact you? I think they would contact me uh, through the, the good old uh, emails quickly, julian.brun at cl-consulting.com. That would be the fastest way. Great. Thank you very much, Julien, for your time today. It was a pleasure. It was a pleasure, Laurent. Great, great to talk to you. And thank you all for listening. I'd love to hear your feedback about today's interview. So if you have any questions for my guests or for myself, or if you'd like to be a guest yourself, send an email to contact at laurentnotin.com or reach out on LinkedIn. See you next time. Bye-bye.